Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, good morning. How are we good? We good? We good? All right, I'm going to give you one more chance. That was not great. Uh, I don't know if you, were, you weren't you were sure if I was going to be here. What have lights? Let there be light. We got it. Good morning. How's everybody doing? There we go. I've told you if you are if you're relatively new here, you may not have ever heard me say this, but I preach better when you are loud. Okay, so if you talk back to me, I probably go shorter. So that's a benefit to you. Um, but if you're quiet, I'm like I don't think this is landing. Let me explain it three more different ways. So then you just you're late to dinner is really what's going to happen. So, uh, but I'm glad that you're here today. I really am. I'm so thankful that you're here. Thank you for your worship. Uh, you guys sounded fantastic, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you chose to be here on this Sunday. We never take it for granted when you choose to spend part of your Sunday with us. We really, really don't. And a welcome to those of you that are online, wherever you may be today. I know there's a number of people that are sick in our, in our family, and so I'm, I'm thankful that you're, you're tuning in as well, even if you're traveling or wherever you may be. Uh, but just a great day today already, and so I'm thankful for what God may do in the remainder of our time today. Uh, and, and here's what I want to do, just right up front. I, I want to selfishly ask for your prayers, not necessarily for today. I always covet your prayers on Sundays. And, uh, but I, tomorrow, tomorrow evening, I leave to fly to the Philippines. I'm going to Asia uh, to spend some time with one of our Legacy Maker partners there, uh, Johnny Moore. Uh, Johnny's been a friend for a long time, but he's been a, a partner with us for a number of years as well and does a great work there, great ministry there. And so I'm going with a group of pastors to just see the work there and see what your, uh, your support and investment does there and how we may even be able to increase that and uh, help to expand the ministry there. Going to meet with some of the, the students that are there. We sponsored a few of those students uh, through our Legacy Maker Golf Tournament last summer. Going to get the opportunity to meet, meet them and the directors of the ministry and the program there. So I covet your prayers for the travel. The travel is uh, very, very lengthy, obviously, to get to where we're going uh, but also for the time on the ground, that it would be fruitful ministry, and then the travel back. Uh, and so, I'm, I, again, I covet your prayers. I'm not assuming that you think of me during the week, but if for some reason you think of me or you think of Asia, uh, just if you would say a quick prayer this week, I would greatly appreciate it. And I will not be here in person next Sunday, but you're in for a treat. Uh, my bride, Corey, is going to be speaking next week. She's going to conclude our Deep Change series. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Her children rise up and call her blessed is what I think I saw right there. But, uh, man, she's one of my favorites. Uh, she's my favorite person in the whole world. She's one of my favorite communicators and uh, just always does a great job. And usually what happens is when she speaks, people come up to me afterwards like, hey, why don't you take more trips? Um, because she's so good. And so I encourage you to be here next week. You're going to love uh, what she's going to share. She concludes this Deep Change series. And then that brings us into February. And in February, we're looking at a family series, kind of real families, kind of taking the mask off of the ideal look at families of what we project so often. And what's the reality of families behind uh, closed doors there and looking to God's word uh, to see some messy families and some things that we can learn from other families. Uh, and so I'm excited about that series. And then we get to March and there's a lot happening in March. The first weekend is our one weekend for our middle school and high school students, their retreat. So parents, get your kids signed up for that. And then the next weekend, March 10th and 11th, put it on your calendars. That's our marriage conference. It's Friday night. And then on Saturday, it's going to be a really special time, our Marriage Matters Conference. And then the next weekend, March the 18th, is, is the kickoff of March Madness. It's basketball. And that night, on that Saturday night, we're going to have our March Madness event. It's going to be fantastic, a lot of fun. 
Guys, you can put that on your counter. Ladies, make sure you get your guys here for that. And then we're to April and Easter, and that's crazy, and then so many other things. And then in the fall of this year, in September, we're taking a missions trip to Guatemala to Casa Shalom Orphanage, which we've, we've been a number of times. We've taken groups from our church. We've supported them for a number of years. But we would love for you, if you are interested at all, if you have any interest in going on that trip in September... You're like, well, I work a job, or my kids are in school. Don't worry about any of those things. Just come to the meeting right after church today, about five minutes, ten minutes tops, I think. Upstairs, go to the lobby. Garrett Snyder, who oversees our local and global missions efforts, he wants to meet with you. There's no obligation. You don't have to walk in with your passport and your credit card, I promise. Like, you're just getting some information, uh, but we'd love to to gauge the interest that you have in going on that trip in September, Uh, and so it's going to be a really, really special trip. But I'm getting ahead of myself, because today we're in week four of Deep Change, Deep Change is a book, is a series that we based on a book by my brother, who's a pastor in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Jason was here with us last week and shared week three. He was also with us via video week one to kick off the series. Uh, but just a phenomenal book. I, I was talking to two people in the lobby after our nine o'clock service this morning about how much they are loving the book and how much the book is really challenging uh, just the, the things that they thought were uh, inside of them that were okay, but like the Lord's really done a work through this book in their lives. And so I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't know how many we sold after the first service. We may be sold out, but we sold like 65 books. I think the first few weeks we had like 10 to start the day. So if you want to get that book, you can go to the lobby, see if we have them. If not, you can purchase them on Amazon. Uh, but a really, really great book. And, and what this book has done is it's helped us to understand that when, when we are commanded to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that strength is the only one that's like visible to people for the most part. Strength is that outside visible part of how we love God, how we behave, how we act. And our heart, soul, and mind are those invisible things. They're the kind of things on the inside of us. And so deep change really addresses all of them, but it also is this invitation to the Holy Spirit to do the work on that heart, soul, and mind part of us that we often neglect or we often don't spend a lot of time reflecting on, thinking about. And so I want to show you a picture here quickly. We showed this, I think, most of the weeks of the series. We may have missed a week, but we've shown this, I think, most weeks. But this is kind of the structure of the soul. You have your actions or behaviors, and then underneath the surface are our thoughts, our emotions, our beliefs, and our desires. And when you start to think about those four things, if you really spend time evaluating them and asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate some of those things and make them more visible to you so that you can be more aware, you recognize that these four things under the surface often are the things that determine our actions and behavior. And so what we ask God to do is help us to to, to really know who we are and how we respond and what we do because of what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we believe, and what we desire with our lives. And so that's kind of what we've been in because we, we recognize that when Scripture says, and this is my paraphrase, that out of our heart, whatever's in our heart is what's going to come out of us. We want to do the work in our heart, soul, and mind to make sure that those things reflect God. And so in the book and what we've been looking at over these last few weeks is some practices to help us know how we can really accomplish that kind of deep change with the help of the Lord. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about feeling your feelings. That might sound feely, but we feel our feelings. And so what do they look like and what are they called? And I said, I told him myself that usually if Corey asked me how you feel, I said, I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. And so there's, there's some more depth there than fine. How do we feel? It's like, well, I'm frustrated. Okay, well, why are you frustrated? So you got to dig in. You got to name your feelings so that you can acknowledge them before God and then recognize that those things shape our behaviors. And then last week we talked about really facing our past, recognizing that our family of origin and the things that we've experienced, they help to shape our behaviors 
And so how do we give those things to God? How do we decide that no matter what those who came before us have done, we're putting a stake in the ground, we're making decisions, we're going to live as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, we're going to do these things that may be different from those in our past. And so today we're going to look at this, uh, this other practice called change your habits, change your habits. I, I have a friend who says on a pretty regular basis that we are human beings, not human doings. And so when we think about changing our habits, I don't just want you to think about what you do, but I want us to recognize that there are some things that we do on a regular basis, and all of us have them, that are these habits of our lives, these kind of settled principles of how we respond, and they are shaped by who we are. And so we have to really dig into those things to recognize who it is that God is calling us to do. But before uh, calling us to be, but before we get there, I just want to go, okay, well, what are the habits that we already have? So I want you to think right now, like, what are the habits in my life? Some of the habits, good and bad. They can, they can be all over the spectrum. I, I came up with a few. These are very generic, but maybe this, this helps you kind of as you evaluate. Do I grab my phone and check email or social media first thing in the morning? Like the very first thing, like while I'm still laying in bed, I just grab it off the nightstand or off the charger or, you know, I, I go into the bathroom and get it off the charger there, wherever it's at. This is the first thing that I do in the morning, like grab my phone, check email, check social media, check the news. What are those habits of how I start the day? Do I listen to like sports talk radio on the, in the car on the way to work? I used to, but I would get to work so angry that I had to stop doing that. <laughs> I was like, these guys are idiots. I could do that job. You know, and I, I called in a lot to Sports Talk Radio. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's really fun. Um, but I would call in. I'd change my name and personality a lot. It was so fun. But I, would, I don't do that anymore. That was an old habit. Uh, do I work out at the same time every day? That's a good habit. Do you just work out? You just, is that something that you do? Is it a habit that you have in your life? Do I drink alcohol when I watch football? It's like, oh, that's, we're watching football, this is what I do. I'm going to go to the fridge and get, like, is that a habit? That I, do I bite my nails when I get nervous? Is there something else that I do when I have this, like, nervous energy? Do I fill up my car with gas as soon as it hits the half? I don't know why you're laughing. I'm not sure why that, let me just be honest with you, just confession time, I don't do that. I'm a good steward of my money, so I make sure I get all that gas used up before I want to, that's funny, okay, all right, so. Some of you just elbowed your spouse right there. Maybe that's a habit. You've hit half. You're afraid. There may not be a gas station for another 191 miles. I need to stop right now. I don't really... Okay, so do I eat when I stress? Do I eat when I stress? Or maybe you don't eat when you stress. So like if, you, if you've ever met my wife, when she gets stressed, she like loses her appetite. When I get stressed, I eat everything in sight. So by the looks of us, we have both been stressed all of our lives. Okay, so do you have these kind of habits? When I talk about habits, here's how I'm defining it. A settled or regular tendency or practice. And it's often hard to give up. A regular settled tendency or practice that's often hard to give up. And, and here's what's true, I think, as I've watched in my own life and, and really walking with people over the years in ministry. When you have a good habit, so let's just use working out for a moment. Maybe you work out a ton. Maybe you work out at the same time every morning or every night. That's just like a regular habit. When you work out as a good habit, the more you do it, the more you want to do it. Now, when you're starting out and you're like on day one, it's like, I don't think I ever want to work out ever again, right? And then day two, it's a little hard. Day three, you're so sore, you can't, you're like, this is terrible. Why am I doing this? But once you kind of get past that and you work out and you have this good habit and this good rhythm, it's actually the more you want to do it. The opposite is true with bad habits. 
Because what happens often with bad habits when we're like, oh, I need to stop that, and we try and try and try to address the action and the behavior, and we, we do the bad habit less, often the more we want to do it. And so when you start thinking about the way that you engage with habits and, and what those look like, like they're settled. They're regular tendencies. It's what we do all the time. And so how does this translate into our relationship with God? And what does this have to do with deep change? Well, let me ask it a different way. Let me ask a different question. What kinds of things can we do consistently to help us become more like Jesus and feel closer to him? What, what, what could we do consistently? What kind of things could we do consistently to help us become more like Jesus and feel closer to him? The answer is spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Now, maybe that's a phrase that you've heard before, you've used before, maybe not. But not spiritual thoughts, not good intentions, but action. And so if we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines, let's define it quickly. Spiritual disciplines is any safe activity that makes me more capable of receiving more of God's life and his power. Any safe activity. Now, the reason I include the word safe there is because there are some customs throughout history and even in present day, and maybe even in other places of the world or here locally, that like some people feel like they have to harm themselves to feel certain things to experience God. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a safe way to chase after, to make us more capable of receiving more of God's life and power uh, everyday life. And so let's go to God's word and let's look at an example and we'll kind of unpack this as we go along. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to go with, Matt, with me to Matthew 26. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. We're going to go almost all the way to the end of the book. Matthew chapter 26. This will be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you today, but I encourage you to bring your Bible when you come or an app that you can follow along, make notes there. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36, it says this. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and while, he became, uh, and, and while he was there, he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Skip to verse 51. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Skipping to verse 56. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Now, this passage that we're reading, it, 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 it encompasses so many great things. But just to kind of bring it in context for some of us, it the idea here is that Jesus had been at this last supper. He had eaten a meal with his disciples. And at that meal, he had said to them, and we talked about this two weeks ago in Feeling Your Feelings. He, he said, like, hey, you guys are going to desert me. You're going you're gonna to leave me. And Peter spoke up and said, even if everybody else deserts you, I never will. I'm with you, heart and soul. We're in this together. I will never leave you like I'm in this with you, Jesus. 
And so we talked in that message, we talked that day about the fact that when they got to the trial, this kind of mock trial that was kind of thrown together to to show that Jesus was guilty, Peter was standing around a campfire, and sure enough, just as Jesus foretold, he denied him three times. And so we talked about, like, what would cause Peter to declare with so, so much confidence, like, I will never desert you, and then to deny Christ three times, like, what would cause that? And so we dealt with that. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen. That was two weeks ago. But now we actually jump into the middle of that story between point A and point B, between the confession, the declaration, I will never desert you, to the denial. Right in the middle, there is this event where Peter cannot, and not just Peter, James and John also, they cannot even stay awake to pray with Jesus just for a little while while they're in the garden. So we haven't even gotten to the denial yet. This is just a moment where he doesn't even have the ability to keep his eyes open. Like he's just struggling to stay awake in this moment of prayer. And Jesus is like, hey, can you just kind of hang with me for a few minutes here? And you get this idea in this passage that comes up. It says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've had this strong desire to try your best to stay awake and to try your best to pray and to try your best to do. Like the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there's three different times. And then these soldiers arrive. They show up. Jesus is arrested. And in verse 51, it says, but one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword, struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Well, now, through other readings, other accounts of the story, we know that the one who cut the guy's ear off was Peter. Now, I kind of love this. Can I be honest? Like, I'm not trying to add to Scripture. I know Jesus eventually rebukes him. Then Jesus does something amazing. It's like the most overlooked miracle, I think, in all of the Gospels. Jesus, while being arrested, reaches down on the ground, picks up the guy's ear. It's like a scene from Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. Okay, not all of you get that. Okay, so, but he reaches down, and he grabs the ear, and he just puts it on. While being arrested. Now, if I were a soldier, I'd be like, okay, maybe this guy is who he says he is. Like, did we get the right guy? Did we get the right orders? Like, what? But they don't say that. There's nothing happening. So, like, Jesus does this miracle. I don't know what happened. Like, all I've got is the story. I've just got the, the account in Scripture, so I don't know exactly what happened. But I have been accused by some in my family, including some in this room, I've been accused of, like, being a heavy sleeper like a deep sleeper. Like I fall asleep very, very quickly. Evidently, that's a poor character trait. I didn't know that. But like in our family, like, how do you fall asleep so fast? I don't know. I'm like a clear conscience. I don't know what's happening in your soul, but me and Jesus are good. When I lay my head down, it is time to go to sleep. Like, I don't know what you're doing. So I go to sleep. But when I'm asleep, like I'm in that good sleep almost all the time. Like just that really good sleep. Like I'm celebrating good sleep by snort, making noise to keep others from experiencing what I am experiencing. And that it is such a celebration of how good I'm sleeping that I want them not to experience it. And so like I'm in a deep, deep sleep most of the time. And if my kids walk into our room hypothetically to wake us up, Corey heard them the moment they stepped out of their bed down the hall. I don't know how she did it. She heard it. They could be in front of my face talking to me. And I hadn't heard it yet. I don't know. But when they wake me up, I tend to get startled. So I I don't know. I don't know that that's exactly what happened to Peter. But maybe he was in that real, real good sleep in the garden. Like real good sleep. Like he was was in it. You know what I'm saying? Like he might have been snoring, drooling right over the rocks right there in the garden. I don't know what was happening. But like he was in the good sleep. And somehow then he heard the soldiers walk up. And he heard Judas say like this is the one I'm kissing his cheek. And like this is the one you come. And like so he wakes up and he doesn't even like know where he's at for a second. 
but he sees something, some commotion, and he looks down and he's like, I've got a sword. This is a battle. Maybe he thought he was dreaming. I don't know, but he grabs the sword and cuts the guy's ear off. And then it's like, oh man, I probably shouldn't have done that. Like, I don't know that that's what happened, but I do know that his reaction here was completely opposite from how Jesus reacted. It was completely opposite. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, like, listen, I could actually call down, like, thanks, Peter, for what you're doing. Like, that's awesome. Love the way you kind of wielded the sword there. Like, I could actually call down thousands of angels to defend us. But if I do that, then the scriptures wouldn't be fulfilled. Like, this has got to take place. Like, this is okay. It seems bad, but it's okay. And I'm just going to kind of rest here knowing that the Father's will is being done. His reaction was completely different from Peter. And I can't prove it. Again, I'm not trying to add to scripture here. I can't prove it. But would it be possible to imagine a scenario that if Peter hadn't been asleep and he had been praying, his reaction might have been more in line with Christ's reaction? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know in my own life, I'm going to tell on myself, I've been telling on myself all series. I do know in my own life that whenever I'm short-tempered, irritable, Whenever my arguments are usually like irrational, like whenever I get very defensive, I can almost almost always point it back to, I'm not praying enough. I'm not in like the time with God that changes those types of reactions in my life. Almost every time I can point it back to something like that. And here's the lesson that we can learn from this story, and it's so simple, it's almost easy to miss. When we aren't intentional with our actions, we will often regret our reactions. Like when we aren't intentional with our time and our actions and our time spent with God, like when we aren't intentional with our actions, we will often regret our reactions because we haven't prepared ourselves. We haven't spent time with the Lord. And if we want to act like Jesus did, we have to do what Jesus did. Like it's not enough just to go like, oh, I, I want to be that kind of person. We have to actually recognize that the doing is actually connected to the being. That the what we do is connected to who we are becoming. And so often what happens, and we've said this each week, like we focus on correcting behavior. We focus on changing bad habits. I'm going to stop doing those things. But we don't actually dig in and allow the Lord to do the work on the inside of us to say, like, why am I doing those things? I'm doing those things because that's who I am. And so, God, I want to not just be this human doing. I want to be a human being. So, God, who are you trying to create me to be? Not just what are you trying to create me to do. So, God, would you help me to dig in to determine who I am Becoming. Let me, let me show you one more quick example. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 is one of my favorite stories because it demonstrates a truth that we don't see a lot of other places. But I also love just the humanity at play here. Jesus, uh, Peter, James, and John have gone up to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. They go up there. They see the demonstration of God's power. It's a really amazing story. I encourage you to read it for yourself. Then Peter says, hey, let's just build some tabernacles, some tents up here. Let's stay here. We don't need to leave. This is going to be awesome. Jesus is like, no, we got to go down. So they come down the mountain. When they get down there, they see a scene that has been playing out where a father and his demon-possessed son have shown up. They heard that Jesus was in town. They show up here, and the other nine disciples are left at the bottom of the mountain. And so the dad comes up to the disciples and says, hey, I want you to cast this demon out of my son. And they try, but they can't do it. 
So when Jesus and the other disciples come down the mountain, they see this scene playing out. And the dad comes up to Jesus and says, hey, I, I, I tried to get your other guys to do this, and they couldn't. And so, like, can, can you do it? Like, is it possible that you would do it? And you see this response from Jesus. is like, if I can. What do you mean, if I can? Absolutely, I can. And the dad responds in the way that you and I respond when we're praying for God to do the miraculous. He says here, he says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. If you dig into the original language there, that I do believe is a very personal phrase in the original text. I do believe in who you are. I do believe the claims that you make. Help my unbelief. That phrase is circumstantial. So it's like, I do believe by faith, but my eyes see things that don't make sense. That's often how we are postured in prayer, right? Like, I do believe. I'm coming to you because I hope and I believe by faith that you can do what you claim that you can do. But my belief is also tethered to this earth and the report the doctor gave us and the account in the checkbook. And like, I I just, I, I do believe, help my unbelief. And then we see Jesus perform the miracle. He casts the demon out of this boy. There's a great celebration. They leave. Jesus is walking away with his disciples. And this is what we read in verses 28 and 29 of Mark Mark 9. Why couldn't we? They're asking. Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. This kind can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. So here again, we see that there are some things that we just won't be able to do in a moment But we could possess the power. Jesus had said in several other places in the gospel, all authority that I've been given, I give to you. All authority on heaven, what the Father has given me, I give to you. But we can't do those things in the moment because it requires certain behaviors ahead of time. He said this kind can only come through prayer and fasting. We could paraphrase it like this. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you couldn't do what I do publicly because you won't do what I do privately. That's a challenging thought. It's a challenging thought, and maybe it creates a tension in our heart, and maybe it feels like that God is just this dictatorial rule-following, like this is what you've got to do. No, no, no. We tend, in our humanity, we tend to focus on the public, the visible, the demonstration of his power. But how much are we focused on the private, the invisible, and the cultivation of his power in our lives? That is where the power lies. It's faith in Jesus that saves us. Nothing that I'm talking about is the works that would save you. Nothing that I'm talking about earns more of God's love or his grace or his mercy. We receive that in fullness from him. You and I cannot do anything to earn more of God's grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. He extends it to us in completion, fully, the moment we ask for it. But how we respond after that, it does determine how we live. And the things that come out of our lives. And so here's how we would say that. Grace saves you, but it doesn't make decisions for you. You and I have to make those decisions. We have to determine what are the things we're going to do with our lives and then how does that affect what we do through our lives. So let's jump back in for just a second here as we kind of wrap up our time. Let's talk about spiritual disciplines. Let's talk about what we're talking about here with spiritual disciplines. There are a number of things. Spiritual disciplines are actually just about any activity where you are pursuing more of God's presence, really kind of engaging in any activity that helps you receive more of God's life and his power. So just about anything that you could choose to do that helps you to do that, like that could be a spiritual discipline. But historically, in the church and throughout history and faith, 
there are some that are just kind of accepted as these are ways that people have experienced all that we're talking about. And I want to give you a list of them. There's actually two categories in this list. And I would encourage you, maybe take out your phone, snap a picture, make some notes. I give you permission. There's only a few staff members in the room. They're going to get mad. It'll be okay. You can take the tithe envelope out and write on it if you need to and just kind of slip that in your Bible. Like, that's totally fine. When I was a kid, man, I made a lot of notes on tithe envelopes. So, like, whatever you need to do to capture this, I would encourage you to do that. But two categories in this idea of spiritual disciplines. The first is the discipline of abstinence. The second category is the discipline of engagement. So let me give you a few of these. The disciplines of abstinence are solitude. This is the practice of abstaining from interaction, just choosing to pull away. The discipline of silence, this is the practice of abstaining from noise, just kind of drowning out all the noise, sitting in silence. The discipline of fasting, the practice of abstaining from food or drink for a period of time. Many of us participated in that for some part or all of the 21 days. The discipline of frugality, the practice of abstaining from using money or goods for a certain period of time, being content with what we have. The discipline of chastity, the practice of abstaining from sexual relations. The disciplines of secrecy, this is the practice of abstaining from drawing attention to yourself, not doing anything that draws attention to you. The discipline of sacrifice. This is the practice of abstaining from meeting your own needs with your own resources. So sacrificing for a season of time. Then you have the disciplines of engagement. The discipline or the practice of study. This is the practice of engaging the written and spoken word of God. The discipline of worship. This is the practice of expressing your love for God through thoughts, words, and rituals. The discipline of celebration. This is the practice of enjoying yourself based on your faith and confidence in God. The discipline of service, the practice of using your resources and strength for the good of others. The discipline of prayer, the practice of communicating with God through words and thoughts. The discipline of fellowship, the practice of engaging in spiritual disciplines with other Christians. The discipline of confession, this is the practice of telling others that you trust about your weaknesses and failures. And the discipline of submission, the practice of choosing to follow someone else's leadership. Now, that's quite a list. I had somebody ask me after our 9 o'clock service if we could post that list and those definitions online. We'll do that today on our Facebook and our Instagram accounts. So make sure you're following us. We'll, we'll drop that on our social media accounts today. But when you think about that list, if you are anything like me, maybe it sounds like a to-do list. I usually start Sunday night, kind of right before I go to bed, by just brain dumping. Like anything that's in my brain, anything that I know that needs to be a priority for this week, I just jot it down. It goes into the notes app of my phone so that I can start Monday with a prioritized list because here's what we know. We show up on Monday and the tyranny of the urgent will take over quickly. But what's important, not just what is urgent. Sometimes those things cross paths and we've got to do those things that are important and urgent. But sometimes the important things get drowned out by the urgent things. So I'm going to start Monday with a list in mind, a prioritized list that says these are the things I need to do. These are the things that have got to be accomplished. And so sometimes when we read lists like this in our relationship with God, it sounds like a to-do list. I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this. And if I do all those things, then God will be pleased with me. That's not the way this works. This is not a to-do list. You are not a human doing. You are a human being. These are just some of the things that we can engage in and maybe replace some of our current habits with to help us in our relationship with God, not to have a relationship with God. It just helps us to find more fulfillment there. It helps us to learn some things about ourselves, to learn some things about God. And when we do those things, it's amazing how God begins to speak. 
and how consistently he speaks in our lives. In the book that Jason wrote, I loved this confession that he made toward the end of this chapter where he talks about spiritual disciplines a little bit. I'm going to read it exactly as he wrote it. This is what he says. While writing this book, I've been practicing 10 minutes of silence each morning. I start a timer and I sit in my chair in the quiet. Most days feel spiritually beneficial. But ironically, this morning, before writing about the importance of silence, I was extremely distracted and unsettled. I was surrounded by moving boxes and unfolded laundry, and my mind kept drifting off in so many different directions. At one point, I stopped the timer, started it over, and whispered to God, sorry about that, let's try again. But the second time wasn't any better. In fact, it was probably worse. It's funny how our sinful nature tries to convince us that it's not enough to practice spiritual disciplines, but we have to also be highly proficient at them. Shame shows up and tries to convince you that since you are struggling to focus or you didn't get anything out of it, you must be doing something wrong or you're not as spiritual as you claim to be. But the truth is, my time in silence this morning did exactly what it was supposed to do. It revealed the things that are preoccupying my mind and heart and revealed the areas of my life that are making my soul feel unsettled. Distractions only reveal that we are human and that we are desperately in need of the very thing we are attempting to do. So often we, when we view these things as to-do lists, we miss what God is actually doing as a part of them. And so as we try to kind of wrap all this up, like what would our lives look like if we incorporated these spiritual disciplines regularly into our lives? You wouldn't be more saved. You wouldn't be loved by God any more than you already are. I already said that. You've got all that he has for you, all the love, all the grace. doesn't mean that there's not some work he wants to do, just like we're talking about through this series. But you don't earn more of God's love by doing things like this. But once you decide, I, I do want to experience more of God's presence, and he's revealing that to me, am I listening for them? Am I looking for those things? What, what would it look like to incorporate these disciplines regularly into our lives? Simply put, I believe that I, you, we, would look a lot more like Jesus. I think we would see more of his work in our hearts and lives. We would live more peaceful lives, more intentional lives, more disciplined lives, more balanced lives, more purpose-filled lives. So if you're human in the room, which I think incorporates most of us, maybe you're thinking like, but I'm not good at them. I've tried them. I'm not any good at all of these I want to give you just two quick things to remember. Number one, spiritual disciplines are learned, not earned. Spiritual disciplines are learned, not earned. If you feel like this heaviness right now, and if you feel like, oh, I don't, I, I'm not good at these things, I would say, like, just pick one and try it this week for a few minutes. And, and, and take the pressure off. Pressure's not going to help you here. But just try one or two of these things this week so that you go, okay, I... I think I want to try this, and I think I might be able to do this, and I think this might be what I need, but I'm, I'm not even really sure where to start. Just try it, and just learn how you respond to it, and learn how God responds to you there. And then maybe, maybe the next time, try something different, because it's learned, not earned. Here's the other thing. There's no part of spiritual disciplines that should look like, like your elementary school like award ceremony. Like, you don't go like, oh, you know, I've been coming to church here for a year. It's like, oh, well, you get the gift of, you know, you get the discipline of, okay, well, now you qualified. You've, you've, you've moved up to a new level. Now you get to do this discipline. It's not earned. 
Now, when we talk about spiritual gifts, which is a different subject, we talk about spiritual gifts, it tells us in 1 Corinthians, like God gives them as he desires for the sake of the body. Well, that's what God does. That's how God responds. But how we respond as it relates to spiritual disciplines is saying, like, I, I don't earn them. I got to learn them. I've got to choose to participate in them and incorporate them into my life and try to see, like, how do I hear God best? How do I know God best? How do I learn about his nature and his character best? Here's the second thing. You will get better. Like, if you try it and you go, whoo, I am not good at that. Like, I tried study. And I got to the end of it, and I was confused. <laughs> I, I tried worship, but I, I, I tried fasting. But, like, I didn't like it. Okay. Welcome to the human race. <laughs> so much of our living and so much of our context is about what we can do and what we can consume, and we get to make our own choices. And, we get, and all of that is, is okay if we balance that with saying, like, God but I'm going to choose to abstain from these things just to show the spiritual gift and the, the fruit of the Spirit as it relates to self-control, that I'm being led by the Spirit and I'm going to abstain from things so that I can have time spent with you and I'm going to choose to practice this discipline so I can hear from you and learn from you. Like, I want to do this and so I just want to keep getting better at them. There is some inconvenience and self-denial that's probably good here. And the only way not to get better is to stop doing them. Like you just, you just keep trying. You just keep working at it. So here's a couple of evaluation questions to close our time. Here's the first one. What habits do I have that need to change? What habits do I have? I mentioned a few of them up front. Maybe those are yours. Maybe you identified with like nine of those. Or maybe it's some other things. What are the habits that I have that need to change? Like, what do I do naturally by default when I get stressed? How do I spend idle time when I feel pressured? How do I respond? And if you aren't sure, like if you are really seeking understanding and you just aren't sure, I just, I just don't know. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. Find someone that you know loves you and wants the best for you and ask them. Say, hey, listen, I... I'm trying to pursue God here and I'm trying to invite him to do a deep change in my heart. And there's been some things over these last few weeks that have been revealed. And one of them this week is these habits. Like I feel like there's some things that by default or by design that I'm doing and, and they don't glorify God and they don't draw me closer to him. So could you, like, what do you see? Here's a few that I've seen. Here's two or three that I've already identified. What do you see in me? Just ask them. What are those habits that I have that need to change? Here's the second question. What spiritual disciplines need to become habits for me? Some of the things that we've been discussing, but like what are those things that I could do to chase after, to pursue, to hear from, to receive the fullness of life and power in Christ? Don't try to tackle them all at once. Like don't try to grab a, a bunch of these and go, I'm just gonna jump, I'm gonna do all of those that were on the screen, I'm gonna do all those this week. You're gonna miss the importance here. Just, just start simply and based on the answer to question number one, like what are the habits that may need to change? What's a discipline that I could engage in that maybe is the opposite response for my soul? You know, my habit is that I pick up my phone first thing in the morning and I'm already starting to consume news and, and other people's updates and social media and email and people are giving me to-do lists and tasks that I gotta work on. So like even while I'm getting dressed, my brain's already moving a million miles a minute. Like I'm just, I'm just thinking, thinking, thinking and preparing. 
maybe I need to start my day with 10 minutes in a chair of silence and just go, God, there's a lot to do today. But before I turn into a human doing, I just want to be a human being. And I want to sit in silence and hear what you may have to say to my soul at the very beginning of this day. Maybe it's about consumption. I'm just constantly, like whatever looks good, whatever feels good, whatever sounds good, I just take it in, take it in, take it in, take it in. Maybe I need to practice the discipline of frugality and just say, like, I'm not going to spend anything. I'm not going to buy anything. I don't know if you can even do this, but I'm going to, like, pause my Amazon account. (laughs) I'm going to delete an app or two that I just swipe and scan and so easy. I'm just going to, like, I'm going to push back for two days, three days, four days, a week. I'm just going to kind of close those things down for a little bit and just go like, you know what? I can be content with all that I have. I'm going to fast. I'm going to, what are the opposite? What are some disciplines that create the opposite response from my soul than some of the existing habits that I have right now? Maybe that's where I land today. And we say, Holy Spirit, I invite you in to do a deep change in me. Would you do this work? And it's not going to be easy. There's going to be some parts of this that are painful. I'm not going to love it, but I invite you in. Make me aware of these places that I'm pursuing things that are not of you. Habitually, I do some things that don't reflect all that you desire from me. And let me practice some disciplines that shape and mold me. Help me to hear from you, respond to you in more life-giving, God-honoring ways. I'm going to ask you right where you're at just to bow your head just for a moment as we close our time. If you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I know that I need to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I've fallen short of his glory time and time and time again. But if what you're saying is true, and he really does love me, and he really did send his son for me, I want to receive that gift today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Nobody's looking around. Just an honest response. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? You're not alone today if you lift your hand. Thank you so much. And now kind of a two-parter. If you would say, Jeremy, for me, there's some habits that I need to address, some things by default or by design that I'm doing that I need to stop. And there's maybe some spiritual disciplines that I need to engage more than I am right now to hear more clearly the voice of God and receive his power in my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Tons of hands today across both of our services. If you're watching online, maybe drop in the chat what you're praying for, what you're responding to right now. God, we love you so much. We thank you for our time today. I thank you for moments of worship, including some spontaneous worship and prayer. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. And the promptings through this book and this series all month long of the invitation that we're making to the Holy Spirit of God to to do a deep work in us. And so God, I pray right now for every person that's acknowledged their need for you. They're asking you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. And so God, we believe that in their moment of acknowledgement, you responded. You've changed eternity for them and maybe for their entire family for generations to come. So God, we thank you for that. And God, now I pray for every person that lifted their hands to say, hey, I've got some habits that I need to change or I've got some disciplines I need to add. God, let us 
Let us not view these as works. Let us not view these as things we have to do to check off. Lord, let us just see in the simplicity of them how they help us to engage you in your presence. How we can die to self and the flesh, the sin nature, and lean more and more into being led by the Spirit of God. God, I believe if we're here today, in this room or online, if we're here today, there's something on the inside of us that desires more of you. And so God, I pray today that we would have an awareness of what you're calling us to, what you desire to do in our lives. And God, let us be open. Let us be secure enough in you. Let us be confident enough to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.